sports science, strength and conditioning, high performance coaching. Welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show. Hey everybody, it's Adam, and instead of supporting the show through advertisements for this episode, I want to forego the advertisement route and just simply remind you that I have a semi-weekly newsletter over at adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. I would be totally thrilled if you could head over there and pop in your email and sign up for it. What you'll receive is essentially like a birch box of sport performance information. It's chock full of different research articles, things I'm finding fascinating throughout my given week, and things I'm experimenting with over at University of Colorado and their sports performance program. I know you will not regret popping in your email and just leaving it and letting those emails roll in and occasionally checking out some of the links that we send. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it and I have a lot of fun curating the resources every week. Check it out, adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. Today on the show, I have my good friend, Ethan Owens, joining me to talk all things analytics and sports and and just a random fun conversation about his background and his unique coaching journey. This was a conversation that could have easily gone on for another two hours or so because on what I wanted to talk about on the show had everything from cryptocurrency to strength conditioning to the state of high performance and what that means to personality types and how he uses that data, uh, data analytics and his progression from uh, basic programming languages onward to more advanced computer languages. This was just a wild show and one of which where I'll have to continue to explore in maybe a part two or a part three of this thing. We end up talking books and some of his favorite recommendations that he would give and just some of the basic advice that he would give to a young strength and conditioning coach starting out in the field today. Whether it's strength and conditioning, sports science, or data analytics, there's something that you can take away from this conversation. So, who is Ethan Owens and why is he on the Decoding Excellence show today? Ethan is currently an informatics analyst in Dayton, Ohio at CareSource. Ethan has been involved in analytics for the better part of a decade now, bouncing back between sport analytics and healthcare analytics, a great combination of both. Before his current position, he held positions at Coach Me Plus, Catapult Sports, and as a data scientist for TriHealth in Cincinnati. Ethan received a bachelor's in physical education and in exercise science from the University of Dayton and a master's degree in sport physiology at East Tennessee State University. So enough with the intro, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this fun Decoding Excellence show. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ethan Owens. Ethan, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty honored that you would uh, invite me on here. No, man. I am. Uh, I've been... This has been an interview that I wanted to do for a while. Um, we've obviously crossed paths at different conventions and clinics and and elsewhere. And uh, I've always walked away from our interactions just wanting more from you. So this has been sort of a natural, I think, progression to to finally have you on the Decoding Excellence show and, and to just kind of get to know you a little bit more and for the audience to get to know you. Uh, if they don't already, then, you know, shame on them. But, hey, I... Uh, 
I just want to to give you an opportunity here just to, you know, maybe fill in those audience members that that haven't gotten to know you or haven't came across your work or or seen you elsewhere, what what your story is and sort of what your background and your bio is. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a Midwestern kid, born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I ended up, um, I uh, double majored at uh, the University of Dayton in uh, K-12 physical education and exercise science. Um, you had a, 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 he was a year younger than me, but you had Tyler Friedrich on here. Um, I know like one of your shows this past summer. Yeah. Um, he's a solid dude, man. I shout out to Tyler. He's a just an awesome guy, great coach. Um, I, that dude's awesome. So uh, it was good to it was good to see him on here um, uh, talking up UD a little bit. So shout out to the alma mater. Um, <laughs> so uh, while I was at UD, I ended up interning for um, uh, around three years uh, with their head strength coach Mark Toby. Uh, Toby's just a he. He's such a he's such a solid dude. Um, I could go into all kinds of stuff with him. But so uh, after that. Um, I went and got my master's under Dr. Stone at East Tennessee State. Um, and after that, I went out and did an internship with uh, Coach Caulfield at the NSCA and uh, um, at the Olympic Training Center as well. I was out there. And then I left there to take a, a position with uh, the Houston Astros in their uh, Appalachian State League. Um, that was sort of wrapping up. Um, and that was like right when uh, – Jeff Lurie and, and all that new staff was coming in. Um, and so Donald, I didn't, it didn't sound like I was, there was going to be anything kind of left to jump on after that. So, um, I'll never forget. I got uh, a LinkedIn message from a gentleman in Australia, um, that had CC'd Meg Stone. So Dr. Stone's wife, if you guys don't know who Meg Stone is, uh, shame on all of you. <laughs> um, and she was like, you know, we've had, we have this guy who is a, in the field and he graduated from our program. He'd be a great fit. Um, and so that was, uh, he worked at Catapult at the time. And so after what seemed like 800,000 years worth of interviews and uh, lag, um, uh, started at Catapult and, uh, went down there for, went to that journey for, I think around three and a half years. And then, um, and it was there. I, I ETSU does a really solid job of of introducing technology and and analytics uh, into you know the strength conditioning and sports science uh, field. And so I I had always been really good at Excel and things like that and just problem solving and whatnot. And uh, so as I really kind of honed my um, ability in with Catapult, my uh, inquisitiveness just continued to grow. And, you know, um, I self-taught myself, uh, power pivot and DAX and, uh, really wanted to start doing some more advanced stuff with some of the clients, uh, at catapult. So I really started diving into R. um, Laden is, uh, one of the guys that I continually follow, even though I'm not in sports anymore, cause he just has great stuff. Um, and so, uh, catapult when you know they had really they were really moving and grooving and everything was moving to chicago and they um they wanted me to move to chicago and um my wife was a teacher here in dayton in a really 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 good school district and uh we just couldn't move it was wasn't a, it wasn't a fit for us and 
uh, I was really blessed to get a, a an offer down in Cincinnati at a, a TriHealth, which is a um, a healthcare provider uh, network uh, in the on the data science team. And so I worked that for almost a year. Um, some things happened where the guy that hired me was was going to bounce, and um, kind of a long story there. But so I ended up trying. I'd kept in touch with you know all the sports guys anyway, so I went to Coach Me Plus um, to help those guys, and and uh, was really trying to advance some of the analytics with those guys and the clients, and um, you know try and move some product and. Uh, it just wasn't feeding the analytics, uh, itch that I had. And, um, uh, funny enough, the guy that I hired me at TriHealth, um, he got a job up here in Dayton at CareSource, which is a managed care insurance company. And, um, he'd been there for four or five months and I'd been looking at CareSource for ages. Um, and I just didn't know if I'd be a good fit. He got, he got there and within two weeks he's like, you need to get here. And, um, you know, long story short, uh, nailed the interview. It actually, it was the best interview I ever had. I left, I, I'd done so much of my research. I looked up, so you, you get, um, names of people that are going to interview you. And so I looked them up on LinkedIn, you know, I knew like what their majors were, what some, where they'd worked previously. And so I just, I was well prepared and, uh, it, it, it instilled a little bit of a confidence in me you know, you go in an interview, you're like, oh, you palms are sweating and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, I just felt good about it. Um, and I've been there since September 10th of 2016 and, uh, kind of been a little bit tumultuous within the last four or five months. Um, but things are starting to smooth out and, uh, here I am, man. <laughs> yeah, no. And the reason, not only because I just find you a fascinating guy with a, with a rich, background and story and your progression as you've gone uh, through your own career. But, you know, I think we're starting to see, uh, I, I say start with air quotes, like anybody around me can actually see or anybody that's listening this could see it. But like, you know, analytics and, and statistics and uh, those that sort of mathematical sort of realm has really infiltrated and money balled its way into performance training. And I use that word loosely, but uh, knowing that there's so many departments, especially in intercollegiate athletics that are starting to invest and starting to grow in that demands that there's no other guy that has the fusion, I think, uh, of strength and conditioning background, the performance training aspect, and also sort of the analytics and statistical side of, uh, of their journey, uh, that, and that just seems to, to match you. And that's why I wanted to have you on and, and kind of pick at that itch a little bit and kind of go down this path and, and sort of get an idea of, you know, when or where, or how did that sort of interest in analytics and, and stats, where, where did that come from? You know, what, what, uh, what set the scene for that at, whether it's home life or, or early academics or, or elsewhere? Sure. Uh, I've been blessed. Um, my dad was a co-best man at my wedding. Um, I, I would, I would leave, uh, I'd leave wrestling practice twice a week and he'd drive me up North 40 minutes for another practice. And, uh, so, you know, I always, I always feel like I owe a lot to my parents. Um, 
You know, actually growing up when I was when I was younger, uh, even in high school, I wasn't I wasn't like a math fanboy by any means. Uh, I was decent at it, but um, I got into college. Well, actually, I took uh, my junior year of high school. Um, I took an anat and phys class first. My was first period, and then third period was uh, advanced weight training, which. Um, my he's still one of my mentors. I, I, he um, he was um, he is like a true practitioner in my eyes. So um, you know he would he would pass you in CPR and first aid, but he would give you all these scenarios like no pulse, not breathing, <laughs> right? And you're like, well, wait, it, that's can't have that. And he's in right, and so like, and if you don't catch that. Um, you like you if you felt he would fail you <laughs> oh my goodness his yeah. name was mr money he's brutal man but he's a great man great man so he in that and that and fizz class um i was able to start putting things together with context like oh okay well it's not just um you know it's not just a slope it's a rate of you know uh body mass or something like that that's probably a bad example but um he really set the example the the itch for me to, to instead of looking at math as like a class of, Hey, you can apply this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I, I remember I went up to him my junior year. I was like, I said, Hey, I want to be an athletic trainer. He said, you do not want to do that. You want to be a strength coach. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my sophomore year at UD, we took HSS 220. I think it is. Tyler would probably know this too. And it was um, it was advanced applications in computer science in sports. I think is what the class was called, or something like that, like advanced computers, uh, something in sports. And essentially, like three fourths of the class was just manipulating Excel, and it was a kind of a breeze for me. It just all kind of made sense, and it wasn't extremely difficult for me. Um, Truth be told, um, I actually like got paid to do a couple people's projects. So, hey, man, got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you got to pay the bills some way, right? <laughs> That's right, right, exactly. So it was just really easy. And then um, my my senior year, one of the uh, more challenging classes was, uh, I think, HSS 405. And that was um, statistics and applied mathematics and sport and exercise. And um, the professor who is now retired, um, so my mentor teacher from high school – he had him, this guy that teaches that taught the the class at UD, and he is he was just a terrific human being, and um, he was one of those guys like when class started at eight a.m. If you were not in your seat, sorry about it, you missed class. Um, and but I I was I, I always was very um, drawn to him because he was he was a fantastic teacher, and it didn't feel like. P values and Z scores. It was like, oh, I'm using this to see if you know I have any difference between subjects on the small test, and it just made sense. And so from there, um, you know, all that kind of was fostered more in graduate school. And um, you know, then kind of keep fast forward, and I would continually, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a question asker. Um, as I've gotten older, I've I talk to my wife about this all the time. About like, when I was in high school. Like, I always felt like the weird person that would, you know, like, oh, I don't need to be asking questions. Like, 
And then as you get older, you realize inquisitiveness is a really freaking good thing. Yeah. Like that should never be stymied. Like asking a question that is like blatant, right? Like, oh, you, you're asking this question because you didn't do the reading. I wasn't that guy. I was the guy that read and I was like, well, what about X, Y, and Z? Um, something that Coach Toby at UD uh, kind of got on me once about was he was like, you want to know everything and you want to know it right now. It takes time. And like, I'm, I'm not patient. It's like, I have it in my, I had it in my wedding vows. It's like a huge character fall. I'm very impatient because I do. And that's, so that inquisitiveness just continued to grow. It's like, even when I was with the Astros, like I was clocking, you know, contact times to first base and, you know, just running like basic averages. Like I was timing, you know, our guys playing toss um, and trying to run some numbers on, okay, how many innings are my relievers, you know, throwing if they have longer, if they're the guys that are throwing longer toss and practice. Um, and the sample size is small. You know, we paid 41 games in 39 days or something like that. Yeah. So, but it's just, it, it's just asking questions. And so then you get to catapult and you start getting through all this data and, you know, I'm setting up all these databases for teams and I'm making these dashboards and, you know, I'm breaking it cell and I'm like, well, this is no good. I can't be having this. And so <laughs> then you get into, you know, I'm, it, it's a Google search of, well, you know, how can I make Excel more powerful? And so I bought a VBA for dummies book and like two days into VBA, I'm like, this sucks. It's awful. I hate it. <laughs> um, it it's just clunky. I am not a huge VBA guy. Um, sorry to anybody who is. Um, and, and I know like I've seen like hardcore VBA Excel files and they are, they're a masterpiece. Yeah. I just, it wasn't for me. I just did not have the time. And so I found PowerPivot and DAX to be a little more flexible for me and an easier way for me to get through things. So that was like my gap fill, right? Like I can really get some solid questions answered for our clients with these dashboards I was making before Catapult rolled out a a cloud product um, with DAX and, and some other things. And, and the learning curve was steep. Like I didn't learn it all like in one day or a year. It took me a long time at Catapult. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you're in front of a client and their stuff's broken and <laughs> you're trying to get their data exported and, oh, by the way, you need to catch a flight. Like it, you know, it, it was a, it was not, it was arduous to learn, but it was, it was well worth it. And so, you know, towards the, toward the end of my Catapult journey, um, I was working really closely with uh, some clients and uh, I'd been, I'd really started going down the analytics path for a while where I was just, whether it was Katie Katie Nuggets or Data Science Central and just, I was just reading and just fascinated with all these things that you can do with a machine. And so that kind of kept fostering my questioning and my inquisitiveness and um, that kind of has been this, that was the snowball. And now here I am, I'm able to do it for a living. I'm able to ask questions. I'm able to try and find answers. And, and it's, it's, it's what I enjoy to do. I, I didn't think if you would have asked me 10 years ago, my junior year of college, I'd be like, no man, I don't, I'm not going to sit in front of a computer. I'm going to hopefully be at Colorado, <laughs> the head <laughs> performance coach. And, um, you know, things have happened and, and, 
I, I, I don't, I don't have any regrets, man. Um, you know, my wife and I bought our first house three, it'll be three years ago. Oh, awesome. Um, we were, I'm blessed, man. I can't complain too much. No, I think that's, that's such an interesting sort of journey as you've gone through it because, you know, and in, maybe as an Easter egg and, you know, I haven't had anybody ask me the question about sort of the show intro and why there's a 56K modem, <laughs> you know, ringtone essentially or uh, boot up sequence. And it's just like, for me, that's such an homage to uh, to my pivotal adolescent years where it's like, I spent long more time than I'd like to admit in front of a computer growing up. And, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a guy that was born in 85, I mean, I remember like the Genesis of the internet. And I remember when, uh, there was distributed software via the internet, all legal, of course, it wouldn't ever, you know, I would never dare to, uh, to download <laughs> wares or no, pi- no, pirated no. software, but like never, never, I never, never had right? an song. No, everything never. was fully, I got the receipts, I'm sure somewhere, but that was such a huge part of my sort of, I think, inquisitiveness, much like yours, is like, I got to experiment, I got to play with these different uh, softwares, I get to play with things that, and that sort of physically and mentally ask questions of what, what, what could this do? Or how could I do this? Or, oh, boy, I, I would really learn to love C and or Visual Basic, and then, and then C and then C++ and then and to continue to move on. And, and then you know, I got to Wichita State, and it was very similar. It's like, boy, I should probably write down all this training information somewhere. <laughs> um, let me just put it in Excel, and I'll put it in a table. And then it, the the progression yes, was like, wow, exactly. I'd, I'd really like to, you know, I really like, yeah, <laughs> like I want to make this a little bit more simpler. Maybe I can make a, a pivot chart, you know, and then, then, and then it's like, well, I would really love to run some regressions and, uh, and some more advanced stats. And rather than breaking the, you know, 8,000 line uh, database I've sort of built on an Excel sheet. Well, maybe there's a better way of that could speed some of this up. And I think the progression just sort of continues as you continue to find like, boy, there has to be a better way of doing this. And, uh, and then you do your, you know, Google searches and you're like, wow, I, I really don't know anything about R. Uh, Maybe I should start to read on that or learn a little bit more. And uh, it sounds like that inquisitiveness was, was a similar progression for yourself. Yeah. I, I, I wish I, I wish that I could go back and slap the younger me um, <laughs> when it comes to being so self-conscious about asking questions. Cause I, I was that kid in college too. That was, you know, like, Oh, I don't, I read, yes. I didn't go out and, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I had fun in college, but um, I, I was the guy that did the readings and stuff. And so that was the one thing, like, for me that was relieving is when I got into grad school, everybody read. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like everybody read. It was like guys were reading what they needed for class, but then they were also reading blogs and they were also reading manuals and they were also reading anything um that that for me especially over the last um probably well i'd say when i got engaged which would have been i guess um eight years ago um yeah because we've been married five years sorry gotta be a math (laughs) um 
it's uh, I always joke with my wife, it's the plus hundred years. So you're right. Um, so when I got engaged, so before graduate school, which was two thousand, um, it was two thousand nine. So nine years ago, um, I got rebaptized, and uh, I told myself I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover, and I don't care how long it takes me, but I'm going to do it. And um, you being a fellow wrestler, you can understand that when you put your mind to something, you're either going to run through the wall, you're going to run over the wall, or you're <laughs> going to black out from banging your head against the wall, but you're going to do it. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> by God, you're going to do it. Um, and so that was, it took me up to getting married, which would have been five years ago, um, to, to finish it. Because at that time, like I had I started with Catapult. I was in graduate school. I was with the Astros and at the NSCA. And so, um, it, but it was a really good, it was good for me to, to just keep chopping away at it. Right. Like I would read, you know, in the old Testament, like those books are long, right. (laughs) And Psalms takes forever, but like you get to the new Testament and you're just like, And sometimes I'd read 10 pages a night. Sometimes I might only get through a couple of verses, but it was a, it was great for me. And once I finished that, uh, as I was, and as I've continued to grow, I, I, I get, I get weird fun reads. Uh, so, and you and I have talked about this, my fun read, I guess you could say is economics. <laughs> um, so I just started reading more and, you know, going back to what you kind of, pushed back to me just now which was the inquisitiveness is is it's a it's a thirst it's a thirst for knowledge and that it's it's a it's a drive it's a blessing and a curse for me because it continually drives me it um it continues to mold who i am as a person as an analyst um it's it's wanting to know whatever it is i i and so it drives, it's a driver. Um, and so you keep asking questions, you keep reading, you keep reading, you keep reading and you just evolve. Since we're talking about a little bit about reading, um, I'd love to sort of ask you, I mean, like, what are you reading right now? What it has been maybe some influential books that you've read and it could be for, you know, leisure or for professional development or anything like that. But if somebody were to, you know, walk through your office right now and, and peer at your bookshelf, what's on there and and what would you recommend to them? Sure. Well, I'm looking at it right now. Um, so I, because you are, uh, in the, the sports science field, I can tell you some of my all time favorites. Um, Dr. Stone, um, his wife Meg, and Dr. Sand's book, I think it's print um, – oh, gosh, I'll have to Google it right now because it's going to drive me crazy. Um, um, that book um, is a rock-solid um, biological view of training. Um, principles and practice of resistance training. Ah, yeah. So shout-out to Dr. St- shout out to Dr. Stone, as always. Um, that's really good. Um Periodization uh, by Bompen Hoff. So I'm kind of going through here, so I'm going to answer yeah, your question. Yeah. Let's so we'll go strength conditioning and sports science. Um, fitness and soccer, Dave Tenney's book was fantastic. I thought that was wonderful. Um, Inigo Mejica's uh, Tapering and Peaking, um, and then Triphasic Training, 
uh, Cal Dietz and Ben Peterson. Yep. Um, and there's probably some more I'm forgetting there, but those are the ones off the top of my head that are like rock solid that I actually, that I, I, I keep, um, uh, actually, I, I I just donated some of my books to my old mentor's teacher from high school, um, but I kept those books. <laughs> and and um, oh man, it came out a couple years ago. Um, I think his name is is it David? He's uh, it was a soft it was a it was a softback. Um, Daggone it! I'm gonna butcher the book and the name, so I apologize. Well, yeah, we can always add it to the show notes for, for um, you know. So, so leisure or like non-strength conditioning, um, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand is the best novel I've ever read. It's incredible. Um, it's it's a it's a novel, but it's based in economics. It's fantastic. Um, I read a book in high school called Night by Ellie Weisel. He is a Holocaust survivor. It is still one of my top five books of all time. It's a what, short read, but what it's, what book? It's called Night. Night. Okay. And um, if you search, if you search the book and then the author, like he's in a famous picture. Um, I think he was at Auschwitz, but um, it, it it's just I, I was not a huge reader in high school, and I torched through that book in a day. It it's to me it was that good. Um, <laughs> funny read here. Um, so in Dayton, we live close to Wright Patterson Air Force Base. So shout out to Dayton founders of aviation. Don't let don't let <laughs> Kitty Hawk, North Carolina take that stuff. Take it um, away from you guys. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so um, supposedly, after the Roswell New Mexico crash in 1951, they quote unquote, transferred the body of the alien to write Pat. Not going to say that I'm drinking that Kool-Aid, but there is a book <laughs> called Area 51, The Real Story of Wright Pat. It's, it's on my bookshelf right now. Um, and then Charles Whelan's Naked Economics and Naked Statistics are uh, on there. Charles is so great. Yeah. The book I'm reading right now, so um, I, I just finished a book called High Percentage Fishing. Um, Yes, I still compete. Um, I just it's to compete with myself, so I fish a lot if I can. Um, but I just finished that book. The book I'm reading right now is called "The Skeptical Environmentalist." Okay. It's by Bjorn Bjorn Lomborg. Okay. He is a statistics professor, professor in Norway, I believe. Um, so he used to work for Greenpeace, and it basically he is he uses the book to basically say is the environment as bad as what we see on the media? No. Is it great? No. And he uses data after data point after data point to, to essentially put stock in this claim. It's, it's a really fascinating read. Um, I'm very fascinated by that right now. So my wife and I, um, we're going to try to build, uh, we've got a garden that we're going to put out this year. So, you know, we've really, with our house, we've, we've done, put so much work into it and we've um, tried to get really energy efficient um, with some stuff. Um, and uh, so that is what I'm reading right now. But I can tell you, because I am that guy, um, I have a, a book list that I have that I can tell you over the last some odd years, um, the books that I've read. That's awesome. So, I I usually register the books I read like in Goodreads. Um, 
And then I sort of, I have to go back and be like, oh, shoot, I uh, haven't updated this in six months and, and <laughs> add books in. Uh, Britt, yeah, go ahead. A, can I give a couple like recommendations? So part of some of Do these it. I stole from Mladen, so shout out to Mladen. Um, but anything to Leb writes is, is amazing. Deep and, and it, it usually takes me a couple times <laughs> to read it over. Um, but, um, his, his stuff is fantastic. Um, because I've gotten into economics, anything Thomas Sowell writes is golden. Um, so basic economics and the Thomas Sowell reader are fantastic. Um, the checklist manifesto by Atul Gawande, wonderful. Um, to all of those folks who are not Ohio State fans, um, it's going to be tough to say for you to read it. But Above the Line, which is Urban Meyer's book, it's great book. is one of the best leadership books I've ever read. Um, I've actually tried to – I've talked about some of his major concepts like alignment um, at work and kind of continue to reinforce that. Uh, Change or Die by Alan Deutschman is really good. Um, all of Gladwell stuff is just a fun read. Um, guns, germs, and steel, the fates of human society by Jared diamond is really good. Um, and then um, making sure I don't have cross anything. Um, Alan Turing. Um, so he was a guy basically invented the modern computer. Yeah. Um, he's got a, there's a book called Turing's cathedral, the origins of the digital universe by George Dyson. And it's, it is fantastic. Huh. I'm going to have to check some of those out. Uh, I'll send you my list. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple books. I, there's one that I want to read. Um, you referenced uh, Night, and it's uh, in a similar sort of context, but Viktor Frankl's Man Search, or, uh, Man Search for Meaning. I've heard 1946 about World War II, Auschwitz concentration camp. Uh, but I've heard that being highly recommended as just a necessary read in, in anybody's person's life. Um, haven't read it. That's on my to-do list. Recently, or continuing to work through, I, I love it. It's just that sometimes the kids pull me in a different direction. <laughs> but uh, uh, Bayesian Data Analysis, or, uh, analysis uh, second edition. Um, yep. It's the one with the sort of goofy dogs on it. Love that one. Uh, yeah, I, think- I, I should, sorry, I should reference that I do, there's an O'Reilly book called Doing Data Science that is like a really good introduction to data science. It's it's good. Um, anything O'Reilly puts out is fantastic. O'Reilly so, is a, sorry, that's, sorry. no, that's a, sorry. that's a stupid great resource. Um, what else, what else, what else? There's a couple of things I thought. Um, you already recommended, uh, I think you did, right? Data Smart, John Foreman. Maybe uh, I didn't, but I follow him on Twitter, and he is wonderful. All right, super good book. Um, and then, then maybe what was the last one that I've? So, oh, uh, and I'm actually re going through this one, but and I recommend it on a different show. But the Gene, um, which was like Bill Gates's 2017 or 16 uh, best book that he read. So I, I was like, I got to read it. Um, and it's amazing. I think it's, I, I always butcher the guys' pronunciation, but Siddhartha Mahiji, um, he wrote the bio, or the uh, biography of cancer. And it's just sort of this, this 
that particular book was like a sort of a story narrative, but educational story about cancer. And this one is the very same, the origins, the genesis, how it was used for good, how it was used for bad uh, of our under, human understanding of the gene. And it is Sweet. awesome. And it, it's a long read. So, um, but it's, it's one that I didn't want to put down and then picked it back up once I finished. I was like, can I reread this book with the same, uh, you know, uh, mind that I, f- I first had prior to reading it because I, I just wanted to enjoy it all over again. <laughs> but so you, you've talked a little bit about not only professional reading and some leisure reading, what are, what other resources as you go through just, you know, as you're scratching your own itch, as you're sort of wanting to either refine your inquisitiveness or your understanding of a concept, whether it's blogs or articles or podcasts. I mean, what what other things are you consuming? I suppose uh, that you find you know of great interest. Sure. Um, so, as I mentioned, I still go to Mladen's blog quite a bit, just because he's such a good resource. He's yeah. just so sharp. Uh, his explanations of things are are just are spot on. So, um, I do a lot with um, the Stanford Lagunitas online. Okay. Um, I'll, I do some stuff there. Um, data camp is, I mean, if you want to learn a new scripting language, you just can't, in my opinion, you can't beat it. Um, and Coursera. So those are like the three online, like big, like, I guess you could say like formal education things that I'll go to. Um, you know, my, uh, my wife has gotten on to me about it and I, I personally, it is a struggle for me. It goes back to that that drive of, of wanting to know, wanting to know, like uh, having such a thirst for knowledge. Um, so, like one of the things I struggle with is like turning it off, right? And I know you tweet all the time about like turning technology off and things like that. I'm one of those dudes that like I will stay on my phone reading on my phone till I drink my protein shake before bed. <laughs> um, I use Twitter not too much for social media anymore. I use it to follow smart guys like you and Laden and O'Reilly media and those types of things. Um, Carl Valley puts out some really good stuff yeah. uh, and simply faster. I, I, I use, I use Twitter a lot as a, as a, as a starting point for stuff. Um, if we're talking like strictly analytics and things like that, I usually start, um, with Twitter, whether that be the Katie Nuggets page or um, the O'Reilly page, um, and uh, I will go to um, Microsoft quite a bit. They're really, they're really, especially with what they're doing in Power BI, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting out a lot. Of, I'm using, I'm using it quite a bit in my current job. Um, so they put out a lot of really good, good content, especially after since they bought. My um, uh, they bought Imran. Um, so I I'll go there a lot. Um, those are like the things off the top of my head that I know I'll start with. And funny enough, uh, I'll Google something and start with Wikipedia. Yeah, I think those those are like good starting points too. You know, like just to start like from a thirty thousand foot view, and then it it funnels you down into more precise information. Right. Um, yeah, I I would never reference Wikipedia, right? But like, okay, if I want to learn, you know, I remember 
a while ago, I was wanting to look, I uh, wanted to investigate and look at some stuff with principal component analysis. So I started at Wikipedia, right? And then it'll take you to all those different hyperlinks, and then you can kind of get into some more formal things. So I, 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 I yeah, I very much follow the the funnel, the funnel idea when it comes to that kind of stuff. So you've held roles both at Coach Me Plus and and Catapult, and you've already mentioned. Uh, you know, starting at Microsoft and, you know, Microsoft obviously came out and they had Power BI. Didn't they also, I mean, didn't they have like a sport platform that they were launching in 16 or 17? Was that Cushman Plus or? Uh, Microsoft, believe it or not. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it who was um, Patrick. Uh, he's uh, he's at the Seahawks. Oh, man. I'm going to, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, I, uh, what, Microsoft debut sports performance platform. Patrick, Patrick Ward. Yep. Um, he had tweeted out something, um, or maybe it was Carl that tweeted out something about that, you know, that Microsoft had started something like that. Actually, um, it's funny because when I was uh, with Catapult and I was installing North Carolina Chapel Hill, um, they had a guy that was, I think he was a econ finance major and he wanted to get out to Seattle to work, to, to get out there. And actually, um, when that, when that platform launched, I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, I ended up helping with some stuff on that. So small world, but, um, yes, they did. They did. I know Microsoft did launch the platform. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you a ton about it. Um, yeah. I know it was kept under wraps for quite a while with the Seahawks and like dev. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if they've, I know they've, I've seen media on it, but I couldn't tell you like if you can go buy it. If it's it. in the wild. Yeah. That's what I right. was wondering. Yeah. I, it looked like it was like some sort of skunk work, sort of garage type uh, initiative. And I'm just wondering if they've ever made, made it into the market quite yet in some ways, uh, to compete against surprise me that they haven't because, um, uh, and this is by, this isn't meant to be like a a slide on any of the AMS platforms, but if you can teach yourself DAX and a little bit of VBA, you know, especially now with the, the capabilities of power BI, I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the the largest Power BI file you can have is 10 gigs. And you can, <laughs> That's a lot of data. <laughs> a lot of sports. Like, I don't know of any team outside of them getting the, the raw data files. Raw data, yeah. Right? Like, I don't know of any team crunching through 10 gigs of data in a season, let alone, I mean, maybe Dave Tenney was when he was with the Sounders. Yeah. And they, you know, when they had years and years of polar and HRV and GPS and wellness data, but I don't know too many sports teams crushing through 10 gigs of data unless they throw in some video. We run the heck out of our force plates and all the raws and we're not even anywhere, not even anywhere near, uh, a gig yet. Um, you know, and- How, here's some context. We have um, we pulled 15 months worth of claims, and that equates to about 30 million rows. Um, and our Power BI file is just a sh- just shy of one gig. Wow! And that's 30 million rows. Dang. So you mentioned a couple online resources, um, and just because this is kind of a fun conversation, 
the latest sort of thing that I've been rapidly consuming on commutes, um, sort of in your field, uh, but have been entertaining not only because of the stories, but also uh, just because it it makes me ask questions as well. But I'm curious, uh, what's the data point? It's uh, I forget the guys Gotham Gazette I think does a podcast that is a fun one. Um, Data Skeptic uh, is a really really good one uh, that I just just recently came across, and it's uh, they have mini episodes for people that might not be as uh, you know classically trained like yourself uh, that has that sort of rich background to start to understand some of the basics. Uh, of statistics and how to perform some of this. And then partially derivative is another yes, one. That's fantastic. Yes. I, I do listen to this. I subscribe to that one. That one's good. That one's awesome. That one's awesome. So what I, I guess as we continue to go down this way, like what outside of the Ethan Owens performance coach, uh, informatics analyst, what, what are some other things that, you know, unusual habits or, or just, personality about who you are that makes you 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 know like this is uh the the decoding excellence show is sort of a a weird show in that it's a show that's it's less about subject matter right we could talk all we want about power bi and how we're running what we're doing but that's i I, there's so many other great shows that do that and i want to get to know the practitioner behind the greatness of what they do and so I, I'll turn that question around. I mean, what what makes you uniquely you? What makes you, what are some unusual things that maybe somebody doesn't get to know about you that until they sit down and have a beer with you that they're like, oh man, I didn't know this about you. <laughs> um, well, uh, I am, I'm pretty high strung, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you and um, me both. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's some, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm really driven. So, and I've, I've gotten that way from being, um, I mean, I wrestled for 12 years, so, um, I don't know. There are some things I'm just kind of set in my ways. I'm, I'm very disciplined and I like rigidity. Yeah. So, you know, four days a week, I'm up at 5 AM. Um, I, I try to get done both my workouts in the office by eight, right? Like I, I like, I like being on a schedule. So, there's a lot of things that I guess you could say make me me. I, I, I crave, I, I crave structure when I can get it. Uh, it helps me. Um, it, it just, when I have a structure and I've got a plan, it, it blocks out a lot of the noise that accompanies everyday life. So, um, you know, discipline, um, schedules, you know, I, I, especially when I was with catapult, I lived through my, my calendar phone or the phone, the the calendar on my phone. And I still do that. My wife and I, we share calendars with on Google. Uh, So, you know, I know when she's going to yoga, she knows, you know, if I've got a doctor's appointment or something like that. Um, I, I'll go back to my parents. Um, and and I, I've told this in every interview, I am not the smartest guy. Like, if you're wanting to talk to some computer expert, go talk to Mulatin. Or yeah. if you want to talk like performance, talk to you or, or other guys in the field. I am not that guy. I, I come from a, a middle-class family. 
uh, where my 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 parents both work hourly jobs and they I just know how to work more than anything um, I know how to work uh, extremely extremely hard yeah. um, sometimes that's detrimental it has been for me previously but um, that's what I know how to do more than anything I know how to grind um, and I don't know if that's the wrestler in me if that was instilled from my parents um, I think it's probably a combination of everything um, and, and again, kind of a character fall, but fear, um, I, I've failed a lot and I've learned from it, but I don't like it. I, um, it goes back to being competitive for me. I like to be successful. I like to win. So those are things that have driven me to succeed. Um, the, that's kind of a, a kind of a, yeah, no, I, go, I it, go it, there. it has, I think it has to be a combination of both, right? Like not only your upbringing and your parents and the influences and the mentors of your life, but certainly if there's a sport that brings that out, wrestling is, uh, you know, a shared passion probably of both of ours. That was, uh, right after team warmups, uh, at Colorado Springs, when our volleyball team went down for, uh, uh, their preseason camp, um, you know, I walked through the wrestling room and I think I spent, you know, 30 minutes in there just looking at the pictures of different wrestlers and different greats and Olympians that, uh, wrestled, um, there. And it yeah. was just amazing. I mean, I've read, um, if you've read, if, if you've never read, never stop pushing Relon Gardner's book, it's good. And then no excuses by Kyle Maynard. He's the, the, he's the quadriplegic from Georgia that, um, that wrestled, um, yeah, I, it's it's just all those things that have come together. Um, it, like I said, it sometimes I think it's a blessing and a curse because uh, because you, you you push and you push. Um, we did uh, at CareSource. We have it's called CareSource University, um, but we've ta- they offer essentially like training and, and development. And so like I've taken an emotional intelligence class, and then um, I've taken the Myers Briggs. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone, you know, I assume a lot of people know about the Myers-Briggs, yeah. but, um, I'm, I'm an ESTJ. So, um, ESTJ, huh? I am. Yeah. I, I, I am typically an INTJ, believe it or not. I really, yeah. So I, I'm border on the E and the I, um, when I really need to focus or things like that, I'm a pretty hardcore I, but, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, it just depends kind of on the situation. Um, and then part of that too is, uh, I took a class, the strength finders class. Uh-huh. Um, and I think like my top five traits was like achiever, discipline, commitment. And I can't remember the other two off the top of my head, but I haven't written them on board. But like when I, I brought it home, I read them to my wife and she's like, that's you to a T. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and they are, um, I like to, you know, every day when I get every Monday when I get in the office, I open up one note and I create uh, I create a sheet for every day. And I have it's a daily to do list um, and I put the check boxes on them because I like to check the boxes off. It helps <laughs> keep me focused on where I need to go. What do I need to get done? Um, and that I've always been like that. I think another good uh, book recommendation for you outside of Rulon's Never Stop Pushing, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, Dan Gable's book, A Wrestling Life. Was it also another 
ra- rather recent read, I think in the last maybe three or four years, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's on my to read list. Uh, actually, um, I, I'll get to it. Uh, you know, growing up him and Kale Sanderson were just guys. I was just like, Oh man, if I, I that's who I want to be, right? Like I want to be 159 and oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, uh, I remember literally there's a, um, a softback book that was literally like my Bible growing up through uh, junior high and high school. And it was Dan, Babel, Dan Gable's uh, coaching wrestling successfully. I didn't even think that I wanted to go into coaching, but it, I think that really laid the groundwork. Uh, I, I could almost guarantee you I, at that era, I didn't want to be a coach. I didn't even know uh, it wasn't on my radar, but it talked a lot about the administration and, and some of uh, – the X's and O's of being a coach. Um, yeah, I just kind of connected the dots there. Uh, <laughs> crazy. Um, but, you know, with somebody with your background and your experience and you've you've been in strength and conditioning, you've been in the grind of it, you've gone through that, you've appreciated uh, the, the good that can come from it, the negative aspects that can come from it. You've done another, uh, you've gone this direction where now it's a little bit more in the science and the, the, the analytics and the data, you know, so whether it's a fusion, if you're talking to the, the quasi sports scientists or the applied sports scientists that, that are in strength conditioning, or you're talking to the pure strength conditioning coach, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this show and I would just be curious, you know, what advice would you give to someone that's just starting off in this field, either pathway uh, you know, as they're graduating from a graduate assistantship or just about to start a graduate assistantship, what advice would you give to that sort of new young sports scientist or strength and conditioning coach? You know, one of the things I didn't, uh, I didn't grasp until I was in my last semester of graduate school and I was applying for it. I, I, my thesis was almost, it was practically finished, right? Like, I essentially just had to defend it and then make the edits. And I was applying to any job that I could get. And I remember maybe it was like October, November. Um, shout out to one of the guys that uh, I still in contact with, Andy Altoff at Baylor. I remember I had a phone interview with Toff and I didn't get it. And it was for a paid internship down there. And now, like he's, I that guy's fantastic. Yeah, uh, those guys down there do such a good job. And uh, I wish I would have understood the importance of networking. Even now, I don't know if I would be at CareSource if I if I did if I didn't have the network that I have. Right? I, I not saying that network is everything, but when you can, when you have personal relationships and you know people. And they can vouch for you. That that makes such a difference. Um, and I don't want to say be patient, but one kind of what I had touched on earlier with uh, Coach Toby at UD saying, you know, you gotta, you don't have to know everything right now. You, you don't. Um, be a sponge, man. When you're in, if you're an intern and you're, um, you know, all you have. To, uh, Tyler talked about it, um, but uh, when I was at UD uh, one summer, Coach Toby made me um, sta- strip and uh, stain all the platforms in the dungeon gym 
like Tyler had to do. And that same summer, he also made me clean the, uh, the duct work, uh, <laughs> which was gross. I, I don't wish that on anyone, but, um, so don't, don't, don't soak up this, don't soak up the, the inhalation. But, um, when you're, when you are an intern, um, and you have a chance to watch really good coaches work. Uh, and I, I, I've heard you talk about it. You used to have a, a, a notepad that you would write in at the end of the day, or you'd take around with you. Take notes, man, whether that be write them down or like if, but watch, be intent in, in, in what you're doing when you're in that position. Because when you're in a position like yours, you have to make decisions that, you know, sometimes could cost you your job. Whereas like an intern, you can watch really good coaches develop relationships, give coaching cues, uh, those type of things. I think those two things, networking and, and, and absorbing what you're in, um, are two heavy hitters for, for up and coming, you know, undergraduate strength coaches. And the third would be never stop reading, read. And I mean, not, not just the field, but read. Yeah. It, it's going to make you a better coach. Like if I, I know one of my really good friends from graduate school, um, he still reads, uh, he, he still reads, uh, a lot of the strength conditioning and sports science stuff, but he reads a lot of emotional intelligence and, um, behavior stuff. Cause he's trying, cause he wants to connect with his players more. Yeah. And right. So like, it's not that he's not reading, he's just not reading strength conditioning every day. And I, when I was younger, that's what I thought it all was. I had to read research papers, journal strength conditioning research. I had to read, you know, anything that, you know, came out from human kinetics. And you don't, <laughs> not that you don't have to read that stuff. That stuff's important. But when you can be a more well-rounded, you connect better with people. It's easier to, uh, to have empathy for other people. Those things matter. Yeah. There's a, uh, you know, there's so much I could chew on that. Uh, but I also found very similarly, you know, like reading outside of just the human kinetics and strength and conditioning. There was a book that I, I read recently. Uh, now I do have, you know, young children, but that there were so many parallels between coaching and this sort of quasi parenting book. But it's Adele Faber's, I think her name's Elaine, um, co author, but How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and listen so kids will talk. And I was like an amazing read about communication gaps that exist between uh, parents and children, but also there's some similarities between the communication gaps that, that sits between coaches and athletes. Um, I, I, I wish there, there's things that I've realized, uh, uh, especially being in the, in, the, in the role that I am now, you know, CareSource stood up two markets last year um, we crossed 2 million members. Um, and, and there are two things, uh, Adam, that uh, I, I just want to touch on there because you're talking about communicating. I did not understand the value of communicating till I got to, I got to CareSource and got really involved with some matrixed teams and realized how valuable communication and documentation were. And the other thing is 
I'd never understood the value of leadership until our director, um, she, she left, uh, a, a few months ago. And so we've had this void with the director and, and it's been rough. Uh, and yeah, you know, I don't, I don't sports is probably different, but if you are a young strength coach or you have a good leader, you know, tell them thanks. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's a, a figure and mentor still very much in my life that I feel fortunate enough Jet, you know, that not only it was at the university I was at, uh, that I was already going to do my master's at that accepted me in interned and, but, uh, Tim Red Wakeham at Michigan state university, uh, just not only a tremendous job on the X's and O's of strength conditioning, but probably an even better job of the leadership development and the ability to communicate. And he's done a number of different podcasts and different uh, publications on that. And I just think it's a it's an undervalued skill until it's needed. And then unless yeah. you've you know like worked it and cultivated that ability, you just you, you don't you just don't know how to do it as well. And those that I I find in this field in this profession that has such longevity and that's been doing it and doing it really, really well, have really mastered that ability to, to do those things and do that uh, and have that effective communication. I know I'm, I'm stretching you on time a little bit, so I want to kind of... No, 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 you're fine, man. I you're want to, uh, to ask in, in similar vein, I mean, is there any sort of recommendations that you hear, you read, you see retweeted that you're, you wonder, man, you know, I don't know if that's the best advice, you know, like that's runs counter to my experience. You don't have to name anybody or do anything, but like just bad recommendations you hear in the profession. Um, man, I, I would have to think about that to be honest with you. Cause so much of, so much of my time that I sent, I spend online is searching for resources um, a lot of times if I see something that I, that I, uh, I, I'll usually kind of just skip over. Um, so I, I'd, I honestly, I can get back to you on it. Uh, but I'd really have to think about that. Um, that sir, I, I, uh, I admire because, you know, it's, it's very easy to sort of get, uh, to get overwhelmed by the noise um, and not concentrate on so much on the signal. So the, uh, your ability to rise above some of that and, and, uh, and not have to, uh, be bogged down by it is, is admirable. What about, you know, I always ask this question to people and I, I think it's, it's a way for me to continue to try to refine my own best practices. But I, you talked about, you know, like unusual habits and how you're driven and how you might not be the most patient person. But I mean, I, I sort of ask myself, you know, when, when you feel overwhelmed, if you do, right. Or if you ever feel unfocused at work or anything like that, you know, what do you do to try to reconnect or to try to regain some of that focus? Are there habits you do, things you do to center yourself? I mean, what's that look like for you? Great question. So, um, I actually, um, in, in my travels, especially with catapult, you know, I, I talked to Andy Altoff about that quite a bit. Um, I think I know where you're I, going with this. I, I hope you go down this path, but <laughs> I, it is, it's extremely difficult for me. And one of the things that I see Andy continually tweet about is, is mindfulness. And, and, you know, Andy talks 
very openly about how he is such a believer in meditation. So I'm going to kind of go down that route, but it's going to stop right there because <laughs> I, and I will, I, I'm going to continue to try, but for easily two years, I have tried meditation and I go in and out and I go off and on. It yeah. is extremely, it's extremely difficult for me to, I don't want to say, yes, part of it is I don't prioritize it. Um, part of it is over the last three years since we bought our house, I was coming home and I was renovating something, either whether that was I was painting. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've redone everything but the kitchen. So that pressure to get to be that to be the the, the man, right? Yeah. The, the man in the house, you could say. Right. So like I I feel that um, I was raised that way. You know, my dad. That's just how my dad is, and I, I have a little bit of that. I struggle extremely hard with that, um, and I don't care to say that. So the one thing, especially over the last year since last spring, I had a phenomenal fishing trip, and um, I've always loved to fish, and I never felt like I had the time or the financial ability to, to do what I really wanted to do with it. And over the last year, i I have fished more than I ever have. <laughs> and that has helped me. That is my meditation. Um, so you, we go back to that like E versus I and the Myers Briggs. Yeah. When I, if I can, if I can fish, I'm going to go. And my wife actually said it, uh, this past summer, she said, or fall, she said, you know, you're, you're fishing a lot. You're fishing more than I think you ever have. I not only do I enjoy it, but it helps me, in in ways that I think meditation helps other people. I don't I don't have to I don't have to think about you know what I have to do at work or at home or yeah. you know could I have done something different at work. All I got to think about is my line in the water. Yeah, I think and that has helped me immensely. And the other thing and it's a, it's super funny, I love to mow my grass cuz it's easy. It's just push the mower, cut grass. <laughs> There's something ritualistic about it where it's, you know, very much like uh, Zen Buddhists raking the sand. You know, it's, a, it's just a very <laughs> passive, but, you know, mindful sort of engaging aspect of it where you can sort of disconnect, but uh, still still get something from it. You know, Toff talked a lot about headspace.com and I think that's where we first I, sort that's of... That's the app I use. We first came across and... Two pro tips for you. I, I love Headspace. I love Andy uh, and the product that he put out. It is can be cost prohibitive, um, and that sort of uh, struck me. I wish it was a lower price point. Uh, Kevin Rose, who was a Silicon uh, entrepreneur for a while, Silicon Valley, I think he might be in New York or moved back to uh, the Bay, but he has a phenomenal product called Oak uh, that is free. And uh, very similar, similar guided meditation app that I, I've sort of uh, transitioned away from Headspace and started to use Oak more wow, often. Okay. Wow, um, okay. But I do like the, the customized packages of uh, Headspace. Second thing, and similar pressures. I get home from work, a uh, lot to do, seeing the kids. I'm being fully engaged with them. Smartphones are up. Uh, so very hard for me to find any sort of time or white space to do it. I've found that I'm most successful when I wake up a little earlier and then do it in the morning. Um, 
because th- the day just runs amok when you come home and especially with you with a, a house that you're you know redoing or, or adding uh, renovations to or what whatnot that you know there's always something on the honeydew list <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's hard to you know like that's kind of who we are we're gonna we're gonna take care of the house we're gonna do what we need to do and uh, we'll, we'll tackle that to-do list so it's hard to you know I think it's sort of self-sacrificing uh, where you're like, I can't, I can't sit and meditate. That seems crazy. I got, I got these things I need to do for my family. Um, <laughs> where shifting it into the morning has been, I've found uh, a time where I've been much, much more uh, consistent with that practice. Um, I, I've, um, I work with a guy who left uh, CareSource, but he meditated every morning, and he said, he said he got a lot out of it. Um, again, going back to that routine. Um, I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll definitely think about it. I, I, I just have a, a certain, I, I don't know if the morning would be optimal for me because yeah. of what I have to do, but I'm, I'm definitely going to consider it. Cause I, I go, like I said, I struggle with that. I go back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Maybe well, a couple of different things and I, just to wrap this up and I, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show because you know, this is, I, I almost want to do like a, a round two and I don't, I don't know if I want to record it or I just want to like drive or fly there and just like find a pub and sit down and, and <laughs> chat with you. Uh, because I feel like this could go on for seven hours and, and, uh, and hopefully the audience maybe took something away from it. And if not, I, I've always just enjoyed having the conversation, uh, with you, but I always want to turn this over and say, is there any sort of particular ask or if somebody had a question and they, they were like, man, you recommended this book, you, you started talking about this, or there's some resource, or I'm a young, um, analyst and I'm just graduating. I want to get into the field. Is there something they can do and, and ask of this audience? And then what is a good way for them to get in contact with you or, or to reach out to you? Sure. Um, my personal email is Ethan, E-T-H-A-N dot M. So M is in May yep. dot Owens, O-W-E-N-S at gmail.com. And um, you can hit me up on Twitter too. Um, my Twitter handle is escaping me for some reason. Uh, it is Owens, O-W-E-N-S, E-2-1. Um, feel free to reach out to those uh your best bet would be uh, email, just because I'll I'll be quicker to get back to those. I, yeah. I again I use Twitter mostly for retweets and favorites of articles that <laughs> that I want to read. Um, so those are those are the two best ways. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll link to your Twitter. I'll save you the potential hundred of spam emails you might get if I were to put that on the your email on, on okay. the internet. Uh, or the internets for uh, the bots, the Russian bots to scan and find. So, dude, they are real. Did you? Did you? They, if you didn't, I'll have to try and find it. There was, I believe, a Washington Post article that, um, it basically laid out, you know, not necessarily the hacking, but the these guys like over in the Ukraine essentially were creating all these fake accounts and just blasting social media with these really fake news. Articles. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. 
it, it, you know, it, it reminded me, boy, what was the, uh, it was a Silicon Valley, uh, click farm, uh, of the show, the HBO show, Silicon Valley. And it was, uh, click farms and they were using, uh, these, I think it was a Bangladesh click farm to, uh, inflate their subscribers so that they could IPO and at a particular, you know, Hey, we've had this growth trajectory for our software or app that we've been developing, but to think that that does not exist um, from it's, a social media office. standpoint and then to create bot farms that can actually do that is, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a medium that's ripe for um, corruption uh, unless mm-hmm. there's some sort of supervision or some some way of actually understanding that. And, you know, a lot of those times you, you look at those accounts and it's the Easter egg and it's, you know, one follower, no followers, and it's the same sort of uh, verbiage over and over and over again. You can be, oh, okay, it doesn't take too much to uh, <laughs> to put those two together. But some are clever. Some are <laughs> yeah, yeah, more some clever. Are, some are good. Ethan, man, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I, I honestly feel like this conversation could go uh, for another hour or two at least, but I want to be respectful for your time. But uh, just want to thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate your conversation today. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I'm i honored that you would uh, you'd bring me on. Hey, anytime. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. That's going to be a wrap for this episode with Ethan Owen. I had a fun and great conversation with him, and it felt like it could go on and on and on. So hopefully we did not bore you with the discussion about uh, programming languages, sports science, analytics, how you can use this information, some of the best pieces of advice that Ethan has received, book recommendations, and so on and so on. I can't wait. I'm sort of frothing at the uh, at the teeth for another episode with him. And I know that he has a standing invitation for coming on the Decoding Excellence show. So hopefully you took a lot away from Ethan's background, his unique journey, and how he found himself at the various stops that he has made through his own career. I want to thank you for listening and supporting the show. And my one additional ask is this. If you had anything, you take anything away from this show, please, the biggest way that you can support the Decoding Excellence show is by logging on to iTunes and leaving us a review. Good, bad, ugly, however we can improve. I want to make sure that we answer what you're looking for and make those changes. So please log on to iTunes, leave us a review because that allows us to move through the ecosystem of the iTunes rating and it allows us to receive a little bit better and more visibility with the show and allows us to get amazing guests like Ethan back on the show and maybe even some future guests as we continue to climb the charts. I also want to remind you that I have a semi-weekly newsletter that uh, that occasionally goes out. And the what I how I describe it to my friends and family and people that I meet is that it's sort of like the birch box of sport performance newsletters. It's chock full of different articles, different things I'm finding fascinating, things I'm experimenting with. Uh, here at University of Colorado. And it's just basically a uh, a fun little collection of of different articles and different things that you can use throughout your given week or month that I think would bring you some value and some interest to your day. So head over to adamringler.com forward slash newsletter 
pop in your email. I promise I won't ever spam you with anything. I'm not trying to sell you with anything. It's basically just the cool stuff that I discover throughout my given week and that I ultimately want to share with you. So adamringler.com forward slash newsletter.